They told me when I came to Michigan from Iowa that this was the promised land. <laughs> and it's been good. It's been good. We thank the Lord for that. Hopefully nobody took off for the promised land while we were going through that activity and stepped into the Lord's presence. Imagine, if you would, trying to explain to a, a caterpillar what God has in store for him. Trying to explain to him that he's going to be flying on great big wings sometime in the future. He's only in the larva stage, and uh, soon he's going to wrap himself up in a cocoon, and after a time, emerge completely transformed, fluttering about on perfectly designed wings instead of wiggling around on the ground. He's going to be sipping nectar from the flowers instead of munching leaves and destroying gardens. Uh, he'll be a thing of grace and beauty and, and to be admired instead of a, a woolly worm in danger of being squished underfoot. Now, how could you convince the caterpillar that such an amazing transformation was going to occur? Just imagine trying to, to make that, that explanation. Well, that's a little bit what I feel like trying to share with, with you and with myself what, what God has in store for us. We're kind of like in the caterpillar stage right now. But God's got a butterfly stage in store for us one of these days. Now, you're a whole lot more intelligent than caterpillars. That's, that's one thing we got going for us. But we've got a, a, a far, far greater transformation that the Word of God teaches us about. Two weeks ago, we began talking about heaven and what God has in store for us there. We considered the fact that heaven is, is real. We talked about uh, what, what heaven is, and we talked about where heaven is, and we saw that, that heaven is real. It's a, a place from, from which the Lord Jesus came. It's a place to which Jesus ascended in his glorified resurrection body. And it's a place from which one of these days, Jesus Christ is coming back again. The Bible speaks of three heavens. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven would be the atmospheric heavens around our planet. The second heaven would be the stellar heavens that make up our, our universe. And the third heaven would be the very dwelling place of God, but one day the redeemed will live with him for all of eternity. We find that uh, when it talks about where heaven is, heaven is, is up. Heaven is near. And thank God heaven lies at the end of the Christian life here on earth. We got that in store for us. This morning I'd like for us to start considering what the Bible tells us heaven is like. Now, it's possible for us to know for sure what heaven is like because we can find that out from studying the Word of God. A revelation that God himself has given to us in, in the Bible concerning heaven. Uh, we need to be careful about uh, basing our theology of heaven on songs. Uh, there's some wonderful songs about heaven, but quite honestly, the theology in those songs isn't always uh, real dependable. We're a whole lot better off sticking with what the Word of God has to tell us about, about heaven and uh, learn about what, what uh, we can do so by determining, we can determine what heaven's like by determining uh, this from what heaven is called in the Bible and secondly, determine it from how heaven is described 
in the Bible. First of all, we find heaven called a number of things. Join me in, in John, Gospel of John, chapter 14, passage that maybe you don't even have to turn to. You may know it by heart. Where we find that Jesus has, has talked to the disciples and he's told them that he's going to die and that they're understandably upset about that. He'd also told them he's going to rise again on the third day. They kind of missed out on that at that point. And in verse uh, 1 of chapter 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You trust God, trust me. And then in verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. First thing we know is the fact that heaven is called the Father's house. Heaven's God's place. Heaven's all about God. Heaven's the, the, the special dwelling place of the omnipotent and omnipresent God of the universe. It's where God manifests his presence. It's called the Father's house. It belongs to him. God's built it. God designed it. God's over it. God rules there. God determines who gets in, who doesn't get in. Uh, heaven is the, the Father's house. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like living in a house. I've, I've slept in motels and hotels and dormitories and apartments and, and in a tent a few times. You know, some of you guys like camping and you like campers and you like tents and all that. Fun. That's wonderful. I kind of like a house, especially when the house is home. And we think about the heaven, the first thing we know is it's the Father's house. We might even translate it this way, the Father's home. And the neat thing is it says... There's lots of room there. It goes on, and, and Jesus said that there, there are many mansions there. Sometimes we, we, we take that word mansion, and we emphasize uh, the idea of luxury. Oh, I want a mansion with a, a swimming pool and a tennis court and huge white pillars and, and 26 rooms and, and a, a huge kitchen. And, and, and we picture that when we think about mansion. But, you know, that's not the point of emphasis here. Well, I'm sure we're not going to be disappointed in the accommodations one little bit. What God has in store for us is better than anything that any architect has ever designed or any builder has ever built down here on this planet. But the thing that Jesus is emphasizing here, as he says, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. There's lots of room. There's plenty of room. Aren't you glad there's plenty of room in heaven? Uh, and there's not just room for the Trinity, but, and there's not just room for, for the triune God and the apostles, but there's also plenty of room for us as well. And that's the first thing that's emphasized here. We think about the, the Father's house being having many, many dwelling places in there. there there's room uh, for all who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, then he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And, and that's not only true of the apostles, it's also true of believers here. He, he's preparing a place for all whom he prepares. So that there's room for all who will put their trust in Christ. But you also need to recognize this. There is only room for those who will put their trust in Christ. To reject Christ is to, to not enter heaven. It's not to live in the Father's house for all of eternity. It's to miss out on that and enjoy of all the splendor that's involved in living in glory with the Lord. So we find that that's, that's the first point of emphasis. And, and we're, we're told a little later in the, the conversation here 
as Jesus says, you know where I'm going, you know the way, and Thomas speaks up, and you know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad for Thomas and Peter and their big mouths. I'm kind of glad that when they don't know something, they, they open up, and that they ask questions, or they make statements, because that leads to further explanations. And I'm kind of glad that Thomas asked the question here, or, or made the statement, actually, we don't know where you're going, Lord, we, how, how are we going to know the way? And then we got that great verse in verse 6, what did it say there? What did Jesus tell them the way is to heaven? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The good news is that the first thing we find heaven called in the Bible here in John 14 is, is the Father's house. And there's plenty of room there. There's room for any who will put their trust in Christ, but there's room only for those who put their trust in Christ. Anybody thinks they're going to get there on the basis of their own good works and what wonderful people they are, it's not going to happen. It's only through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that the Bible is also called a country and a homeland. Go over with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. If you think way back to the book of Genesis with me, you remember in Genesis chapter 12, how God called a fellow by the name of Abraham who lived in a place called Ur. And God told Abraham, he says, if you'll leave your, your, your place where you're living now and you'll go to a place where I'm, I'm going to show you, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you a, a better place to dwell than what you ever had in Ur. And I'm going to, to give you seed. I'm going to give you descendants that, that are as numerous as the stars in the sky as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore, and I'm going to bless you. And Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. But one of the things he did was he sent Abraham out looking for a place. And, and Abraham went off, and he, he left Ur behind, and he went to Haran, and eventually made his way down into Canaan. And, and he, li he lived in tents. He never lived in a, in a permanent dwelling as he was going around there. And Abraham didn't experience the, the total fulfillment of all of God's promises to him during his life on this earth. But, but he, was, he and his descendants were, were looking for something more than just a dwelling place on this earth. And we read about that. He had, God had a place for him, but, but it wasn't just the, the place here on the earth. If you pick it up with me in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14. It says, for those who say such things plain, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. That's Abraham and his descendants. They seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they could have had opportunity to return. If they were thinking about the home that Abraham left, they could have gone back to Ur. But it says in verse 16, but now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God, we, we find heaven called here a homeland and a, and a country and a dwelling place. And Abraham was, was, didn't have completely fulfilled everything that God had for him here on this earth. In fact, even in the millennial kingdom, it's not going to all be fulfilled. Ultimately, all of God's promises to Abraham will be fulfilled in, in heaven. Heaven's a, a dwelling place. Heaven is a, a homeland. 
It's a place where we can get to live. And it's a place where Christians today, where we have our citizenship. What's it tell us in Philippians 3? It tells us that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we're looking, from where we're looking for Jesus to come back, who's going to transform these lowly bodies and make them like his glorious resurrection body. And so we, we can think in terms of heaven as being our homeland. We've got our citizenship there. That's where Abraham ultimately had his citizenship, not in Ur, not even in Canaan. Ultimately, Abraham is a follower of God and a believer in the promises of God and a child of God. Ultimately, his, his citizenship was in heaven. And, and so it is for us, folks. And, and if you think all of God's promises are, are going to be completely fulfilled to, to you here on this earth, in this life, you're just not right. Uh, all of God's promises are, are not going to be fulfilled here in this life while we have these mortal bodies. We got something better that's coming. We got glorified resurrection bodies that God's going to give to us. We have eternal life that's going to play out for all of eternity in, in glory and dwelling with the Lord. Our, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. You ever feel like you don't fit in down here? You ever feel like you're a little different than folks around you? feel like your mindset it just doesn't quite match up with the, the thinking of the world you know that's a good thing that's a good thing because the Bible describes us as strangers and pilgrims down here and that's what we are we're strangers and pilgrims it's, it's this is not our final home our citizenship is in heaven we're citizens of another place we're only we're here temporarily we're one of these days we're going home one of these days, we're going to this country, this homeland that God has prepared for us and also talked about it as a, as a city here. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But the neat thing is, he says it's, uh, it's a, they called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Once again, that idea, God's prepared a place for us. Christ says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And here it talks about God preparing a place for, for his people. We find it's also described as a as a kingdom. If you go over to, to uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, verses 10 and 11. Second Peter 1, 10. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here heaven's called a kingdom. Once again, it ties in with the idea of a country, a homeland. But the thing to emphasize here, when you think about a kingdom, what's the key piece in a kingdom? When do you have a kingdom? When you have a king can't have a kingdom without a king and the key thing here as far as the eternal kingdom is it's the kingdom the eternal kingdom it's called here the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ once again it, it, it's his he rules over it it belongs to him uh we'll, we'll only be there as we have a relationship with him so heaven here is called a, an everlasting kingdom the everlasting kingdom of our lord jesus christ 
And I think back with me to Hebrews, what we read a moment ago, where it says that, that God, the Abraham and, and those that were his descendants, they, they looked for a, a homeland, a country, and that God wasn't ashamed to be called their God. And he prepared there a city for them. That is a, a frequent theme that we see when we talk about heaven, this idea of being a city. If you go back to Hebrews 11 and, and pick it up in verse 8, and we see there there's more said about the idea of heaven being a city. Hebrews 11, verse 8, once again, talks to us about the call of Abraham. What God has in store, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive his inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Listen to verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations. What kind of city has foundations? A real city. What kind of a house has foundation? One that's real and physical. And this heavenly city is a real physical place that has foundations whose builder and maker is who? God. Builder and maker is God. The idea of the city introduced here once again. If you go over to chapter 12, we see it spelled out as well. Chapter 12. Verses 22 to 24. says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Here it's called the called a city again, the, 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 the heavenly Jerusalem. It's called Mount Zion. It's called the city of the living God. It's talking about here being the dwelling place of God and the redeemed and, and the church of the firstborn over in Galatians 4.26. It's called the uh, Jerusalem above. And if you go over to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and chapter 22, See that the Apostle John is in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and one of the things he gets to see is the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, like a bride adorned for its husband, and he sees it descending to the earth, to or towards the earth. And we get a description of it in Revelation 21, 22. It doesn't tell us everything we'd like to know about heaven, this heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, but it tells us quite a bit there. And one of the things it tells us about is the, is the size of it. this new Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, Jerusalem above, uh, which is heaven for us. If you look in uh, verse 16, chapter 21, it says, And the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 1,200 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal that 1,200 furlongs is 1,500 miles. In other words, this heavenly city, uh, the New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles 
high. Kind of amazing. And uh, the, as far as the, the length and the breadth of it, we find that it's uh, as large as the western United States. Think about being going from Canada to Mexico and going from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean, and you get a picture of the length and the breadth of what the heavenly city, New Jerusalem, is going to be like. As far as 1,500 miles high, I haven't quite got that all figured out yet. But you know what? God does. God does. Anyway, you take those dimensions and take the volume that's there, and I don't remember where I got these statistics for sure, but uh, somebody's done some figuring out, and they figured out that in in a city that size, there's room for one quadrillion, 192 trillion, 303 billion, 411 million, 200,000 residences that are all 20,000 square feet. Anybody here living in a 20,000 square foot house now? I suppose that could be the outlying area around as well, but. You get the same picture that Jesus painted over John 14. What did he say? In my Father's house are many mansions. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room in heaven. Plenty of room in this heavenly city for any who would go there. But there's only one way to go there, and that's through repenting of our sin and taking Christ to be our own personal Lord and Savior. Now, i got to be honest with you. When it talks about heaven being a city... Uh, initially, that, that word city has, it's got some bad connotation for me. I'm not a city lover. Uh, in fact, when I, we came to care, I came to a village, and now it's turned into a city. But, uh, I don't know what's changed, but at least the, the name has changed anyway. But when I think of cities, I think of Chicago, and I think of New York, and I think of San Francisco, and I think of Los Angeles, and I think of of pollution and I think of crowded interstates around them and I think of tall buildings and I think of people on top of people and I think of, of squalor and filth and crime and, and, and all those things that are, are involved in the cities and places that are falling down but you know we need to erase all that from our minds and we start thinking about heaven as a city you know heaven is a city who, who, who has foundations and whose builder and maker is who God God. And I guarantee you, uh, why, are, why do cities have the problems that they do today in our world? It's because of man, right? And because of sin. And, and what happens when you, you get a whole bunch of people living, a whole bunch of sinners living together, what happens? Well, sin multiplies. In fact, if you recall, back when, when Adam, or excuse me, when Noah got off of the ark, what, was he and, what were he and his family supposed to do? They were supposed to reproduce, and they were also supposed to spread out and, and fill the earth. That was their responsibility. And what happened? Well, we find out that, that they, they begin to rebel against God again, even after that universal flood. And they, they worked together, and they, they built Babylon and the, the plains of Shinar, and they built that Tower of Babel, trying to reach heaven, now, not one they could climb up, but it was an object or a place of worship is what the, the Tower of Babel was. Probably a ziggurat where they studied the stars and everything, but anyhow, they, they gather together, and, and you get people together, you get sinners together, and, and people sometimes feel, get a feeling of anonymity, and they, they, they think they can be hidden, and they can just blend in, they can do anything, and, and, and not be found out, not be caught, not have no accountability 
and you end up with the mess that you have in the cities of the world today. But you know what? City, this idea of city has one thing going for it. City has the idea of closeness. It has the idea of proximity. I kind of like living in the small town of Cairo here. Some of you live in the town. Some of you live out in the countryside around. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of nice. But there's times I'm a whole lot happier living in town. If i got to run to the hardware store, man, I can be there in no time. If I need to come from my house up to the church, I can be here in no time. Doesn't take any time at all. Uh, if I'm here at church and working in the morning and want to go, go, need to go see my wife, I can, I can be there in just a couple of minutes. Pastor Mark can get home even quicker. He's living over in the Collingwood subdivision now. He can fall out of bed and roll over here to the church. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for, for proximity and closeness. And one of the neat things about heaven is we're going to be close to God. We're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with other believers. And you know what's not going to be there? Sin's not going to be there to mess it up. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. So we need to try to erase those negative, con those negative ideas, those negative connotations when we hear that word city. Now maybe there's some of you here that are, are city dwellers and you love living in the city. Well, that's okay. I don't understand you, but... But that's okay. If you want to live in the city, that's fine. That's more room for some of us out here in the small towns and the country. So how many of you like living in the country and in a small town? All right, I'm talking to the right crowd here. Good. You, you city folks, well, actually there's a real mission field in the cities these days. And uh, there's a real need to be reaching out with the gospel. I'm thankful at this point God hasn't called me to Detroit. Or he hasn't called me to San Francisco or any of those places. If he does, I'll go. I'll go. But he'll have to make it abundantly clear <laughs> that that's where he wants me. And I have to do some preparation in my own heart, in my own person, so that I could go there and serve him. You know, we want to be careful. We don't say, I'll never go to so-and-so. I'll never go to Africa. Or I'll never go to Detroit. God's got that in store for us. You know what? He'll equip us. He'll enable us. We can go any place the Lord wants us to go. But this city we're talking about, there's plenty of room for any who would come through the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is going to be a unique and a beautiful city. I encourage you, go home and read Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. But for uh, just, just to kind of put our minds at ease, we also find that the, the, the Bible calls this heavenly city, it also calls it paradise. That term paradise is a, originally a Persian word. And it's been brought over into the Hebrew in our Old Testament, and it shows up in the Greek in the New Testament, and now it shows up in the English language. Uh, but it originally it was a Persian word, and the word meant and means park or preserve or garden or orchard or, or forest or, or a fruitful land. How's that sound? That sounds a little better than, than city. That sounded pretty good. A beautiful place, a wonderful place. In Nehemiah 2.8, it's called a, the forest. In, in Ecclesiastes 2 and in the Song of Solomon 4, it's, it's called translated orchard there. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul talks about being caught up into the third heaven 
And then a verse later, he talks about the third heaven, and he describes it as paradise. So paradise is the third heaven. Paradise is the very dwelling place of God. And uh, we find in Luke chapter 23 and verse 43, Jesus is hanging on the cross here. And he used the word paradise. Do you remember what he said? There was a, a, a reprobate guy hanging on the cross next to him, and there was a reprobate, ungodly man hanging on the other side. And the one guy mocked at Jesus and said, Okay, if you're really the Son of God, then get down from this cross and take us down with you. And the other fellow said, Now, we deserve to die. He doesn't. What's wrong with you? Blaspheming this man. And then he asked Jesus, said, When you enter your kingdom, would you remember me? And do you remember what Jesus' promise was? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. In heaven. In the place that the Lord had prepared for him. And the place that he's prepared for us. But we, we need, like this thief on the cross, we need to repent. And, and when we think of heaven, and we think of paradise, we think of the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, but it's unlike any city down here. It is a, a gorgeous place. In fact, I would encourage you, think about the Garden of Eden. Now, that's the place God originally prepared for man to dwell in. And it was a fantastic place. And in the Garden of Eden, there was no curse, and there was no death, and there was no sin. And what happened to, to change everything? Well, man sinned, rebelled against God. The curse came on. And death became a reality, and fellowship with God was, was messed up. Back in Eden, Adam could walk with God, fellowship with God, and we could be unbroken, uninterrupted fellowship with the Lord. And what a closeness and an intimacy with God as creator. And sin messed it up. But I'm glad I can share with you this morning. God's done something about that. God himself, God the Son, stepped down out of this glorious place, this glorious heavenly city, entered this earth, spent 33 years down here. The Lord Jesus Christ was rejected by men, nailed to a cruel cross, took upon himself our sins and our rebellion, our curse, and he died for us there on the cross of Calvary so that we could one day live with him forever in this glorious, glorious place that he has prepared for us. And we one day will enjoy no more curse. Won't that be good? No death. No funeral homes in heaven. No cemeteries in heaven. No more death. And, and no sin. And thank God my sin nature is going to be gone. I won't even have a bent towards doing anything wrong. Won't that be great? Don't you get tired sometimes struggling today? Well, I know I should do this, but man, I feel like doing this. I know I need to pray for this guy, but I'd sure like to... Well, fill in the blank. We struggle, don't we? Thank God. That struggle is not an eternal struggle. And we'll have un broken fellowship with the one who made it possible for us to go there. We'll get to see Jesus Christ face to face. You know, that's the best thing. We said a moment ago, the one thing that cities really have going for it is closeness, nearness, proximity. 
and we get to heaven, we're going to be with Jesus. I've never seen him. Never seen the Lord Jesus face to face. You haven't either. That doesn't happen in this lifetime. One of these days, we will. One of these days, we will. And that's going to be the greatest thing about heaven. In fact, there's a song that, in the, in, in the song, the singer says, Angels, step aside. I just want to get to Jesus. I just want to see him. I just want to be with him. And if you know him as your Savior, one of these days, you'll get to see him face to face. And it's going to be in a glorious place. That's so much different than what it's like down here right now with, with the curse and with sin and death. It, even the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly can't really picture it. But the best thing of all is being with the Lord Jesus forever. And you know, I love that last line in the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life down here. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, the Father's house. How long? Forever. Live for forever. Live for heaven. Set your mind on heavenly things. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never taken him to be your Savior, sorry, you're not headed for heaven. That's what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. And he's the one that prepares the place. He's the one that determines who gets there. But the good news is, if you don't know him, you can know him today. You can trust him today. You can repent of your sin this morning. Take Christ to be your own Lord and Savior. And then be sure, going to heaven. Just, just hoping you're going to heaven or wishing you'd go to heaven. This doesn't cut it. You know, we started this song, this service out with a song this morning. I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What day? The day we go to heaven to be with him forever. And that's not just a song, folks. That's scripture as well. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've told us about heaven. Even in just the very names by which heaven is called in scripture. tells us so much about this glorious place that you have in store for us. And we realize the most wonderful thing of all is going to be our fellowship with, with you, our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ as we get to see him face to face, get to worship at his feet, get to serve him and follow him, and get to enjoy with brothers and sisters that have gone on before and, and others that will join us in, in, in glory. Father, we just thank you for what you have in store for us. And I do pray that it would be an encouragement to every believer here today many facing great difficulties in this lifetime. All of us facing death unless the rapture takes place. But Lord, I also pray that you'd work in the hearts of anyone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Pray they might even trust him before they leave this building this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.